Welcome to podcast number 20, The Many Faces of Depression and Same-Sex Attraction. Welcome to today's episode. Now, if you've listened to several of the previous episodes, I have focused much of my discussions on depression and anxiety, as if every bout of the illness could be pushed into one global category. In some ways, I have unintentionally grouped depression under a single chapter heading, when the truth is more like a novel, each chapter different, but connected. Every chapter with its own story, but connected to a larger theme. The truth of the matter is, is that depression is a very personal thing. It is a battle of body and soul. And while we attempt to define it and confine it to medical terms and words, there is nothing but experience that can teach you what it really is. Whether the chapter begins with a very personal one-on-one encounter with abuse, or a more global encounter with bullying, or a battle of loneliness, shyness, self-worth and beauty, or even desires and feelings that run counter to core family, religious, and society beliefs, the depression will manifest itself in a very personal way. It can manifest as anger and resentment in a retired man who feels that in his retirement, his purpose is gone. He wants to feel as useful as he once did, but turns everyone away with his abrupt responses. It can manifest in a young mother where emotional and physical and spiritual demands have stretched her life so thin that nothing feels successful or fulfilling. She feels empty, emotionless, tired physically and spiritually. And no matter what she does, nothing feels done or complete. She cries on the outside, but on the inside, it is more than that. It's a constant stream. It can manifest in a young man or woman who has found same-sex attractions has left them isolated and alone. Each person will suffer, suffer internally. Every one of them will mask their true feelings. The outward signs of depression and anxiety will show up based on culture, family, experience, and what the body chemistry designs. Even our symptoms will be tailored to our culture. Some symptoms will not be acceptable, such as tears or anger, emotional explosions, even sadness. So the body will do what it must. It will respond and change symptoms to those that are more acceptable. And then if it can't find a release, it will search for removal. Some will disappear from homes and others from life. The greatest difficulty with depression is that it is so very individual to the person, and it is so difficult to describe So often we don't even understand that there are underlying issues such as abuse, exhaustion, chemistry, body chemistry, loneliness, desires that run counter to religious principles and beliefs. Those around us don't understand the changes in us because nothing's changed for them. They see anger, they see sadness, loss of energy, loss of desire, loss of spirituality, fear, anxiousness, nervousness, reclusiveness, worry, They really want to help, but more often than not, their happiness and their desire to help just seems to create more distress. So we say we're tired, sick, we're not feeling well, just need some time, nothing's wrong, anything simply to push the issue to the side rather than face something we really don't understand ourselves how to fix. In the title of this episode, I specifically noted same-sex attraction. I wanted to focus more specifically on this particular issue and its tendency towards depression and other mental illnesses. I will admit that I myself have not struggled with it. I guess the question then, what is my right or even my concern with discussing it? I have struggled with the difficult emotional experiences brought about by body chemistry, 
due to my bipolar, and therefore my reality and desires at times did not align with church teachings for periods of times. My ability to feel and understand the spirit was dampened by a river of chemistry and thought, and I know of the struggle within the soul, the darkness, the loneliness, and suffering that attends such deep feelings. I know the power of emotions and the difficulty of hearing the right voice. I simply know what it feels like to be different, isolated, and misunderstood. I want to say first how my heart aches for these individuals. It is not that I am somehow sorry they experienced it. It is that I have empathy for their experiences. Whether we believe it or not, our bodies control a great deal of our lives. Those chemistries running around in our bodies are not simply suggesting what we should do. They create our reality. Those chemicals are so powerful that even small changes can alter our reality significantly. I'm often reminded of videos of individuals under anesthesia, where they're talking about crazy things and crying about silly little issues. I think it gives just a taste of what happens when the chemistry running around in our brains gets just a little bit out of normal. I know what it's like to have a brain chemistry that told me I could walk on as a football kicker for a four-year university without any training. This was when I was quite young in my life. I know that you might think that is really funny, but if you really consider it and how real it was to me at the time, then you might consider it very disturbing that a slightly altered chemistry in the brain that often even science can't detect at times can cause such a change in a person's reality. I'm not saying that same-sex attraction is a disturbing change of reality. What I am trying to say is that I understand the power of chemistry in the body and brain in a very real sense. I'm also saying that those chemistries determine what feels real. And I will tell you what feels real to people is real. The saying that perception and feeling is reality is more true than you understand. Now, if you place this chemistry of the same-sex attraction within the gospel and commandments... It is a very difficult, heartbreaking, disorienting moment in time when one realizes that the reality of the chemistry in one's body does not match core beliefs. And if I follow my desires or the desire, same-sex attraction, that my body is telling me that my ultimate goal, exaltation, is not within reach. Now, I realize that DNA and core elements of the body may or may not be part of the same-sex attraction, and much has been politicized in this manner, as well as science. I do understand that bodies have a chemistry that controls our reality. I think that is one of the more important things anyone can do for someone suffering with same-sex attraction, or any really any other set of chemistry and desires that run counter to the church. Understand and validate that the chemistry of the mind exists, regardless of the source, I don't think that the source of the desire has to be argued to say that those who have same-sex attraction have very real feelings. I know that they do. I've had several individuals and friends who've experienced it. While I haven't, I know that it is very real. And the way I know it is because I've felt many different realities based on my own brain chemistry, and I know the power of the chemistry upon the mind and the desires of the heart. I don't think anyone could refute the idea that the chemistry of sexual desire is one of the more powerful chemistries we experience in our lives as far as our bodies are concerned. So it should be no real stretch of the imagination to understand that a slight altering of the chemistry could produce strong same-sex attraction. I think that the brethren of the church have done a good job in noting that the chemistry exists. Now what I mean by this is they have stated that the desires themselves are not a sin. It is acting upon those desires. 
They've also stated that the spiritual is more important than the physical chemistry. I also agree. I believe the brethren and the prophets. The difficulty for those with same-sex attraction is that truth itself doesn't change the chemistry. But it is also true in the same sense that the chemistry of the body doesn't change the truth. My experiences of bipolar have taught me some very powerful lessons about this. I know that the Lord has a tendency to be more merciful with those who have these powerful influences running through their bodies. But even when it feels right in the body, eventually the spirit inside us will feel the weight of the sin. I know that it seems very wrong that a loving God would place such powerful chemical influences in our bodies that would be so contrary to what he desires of us. I don't fully understand all of the reasons why I had to pass through a terrible chemistry-altering reality, changing illness. Perhaps I won't understand till my next life. But given that he has placed the chemistries in our bodies and that he has placed conditions and requirements that appear contrary or restrictive, then there must be a wise purpose to all of it. I do not believe that my mental illness or anything of that nature is random. I don't believe that same-sex attraction is a random thing. I believe the Lord has a wise purpose in it for each of us if we allow him to work with us. He knows the difficulty he has placed upon all of us. The Savior even personally experienced every reality, emotion, feeling, desire, sorrow, pain, suffering, vicariously so that he could fully understand what we would pass through and so he would fully have the power of mercy and grace. I don't think it's difficult to imagine why a member of the church would suffer with depression and anxiety when, when they are faced with same-sex attraction. When your body chemistry runs counter to prophetic teachings, it creates a war within the soul that can run very deep. That contention, distress, and suffering causes real emotions and difficulties that manifest as depression and anxiety. So what can anyone really do to help someone who's working through same-sex attraction? We can listen, validate their feelings as real, their reality is as real as yours or ours. There should be no judgment for a chemistry of the body. We should allow the Lord and the individual to work through the feelings without us judging how they are doing on the spiritual scale of life. There is no need for a preacher on a soapbox, but just simply a loving friend. You can validate feelings and still maintain the exact same testimony and your own beliefs. For some reason, we seem to have a belief that if you say you understand someone's feelings to be real, that somehow... You need to be entirely in agreement with everything they believe. The truth is that we can completely disagree as to principles of truth, but certainly accept what each other feels is real. So now we come to that point of how do we do this so that depression, anxiety, and other issues can be addressed and avoided. Uh, I'm going to use the parent-child relationship as it is the most common to the experience of same-sex attraction, but it is principles but its principles can be used in other types of relationships. There are a few simple principles when talking about same-sex attraction. First, both individuals need to validate the experiences and feelings of each other. This simply means that you believe what each are feeling and experiencing is real, and it is as real as your own feelings as reality. This doesn't mean you have to have the same feelings to understand it. It simply means that you have expressed and that you truly believe the other person's feelings to be very real. You don't disregard feelings as illegitimate, not real, made up, feelings of society or friends or others, or even feelings brought about by evil. The second principle is to have an understanding of principles taught by the prophets. Now, I doubt that 
Many individuals who have been in the church for any length of time will have to have a very long discussion about this with each other. The intent is to talk about the principles and understanding of it. This discussion is simply about understanding each other's thoughts and perspectives on the principle of the law of chastity, not convincing one another. The third principle is, about, is to ask about the path ahead for each other. What does that path look like? Questions such as, what are the plans for the future as far as family, church, and life? The intent here is not to direct or convince each other of a correct path, but allow for a discussion of what the future holds together. What each other desires for the other is important, but shouldn't be the driving force of the conversation. Now, this obviously depends upon age and maturity, but most children are far more mature than we as parents give them credit. The conversation may or may, or may not be difficult for one or either person, but no child wants to disappoint their parents and no parents want to see their child take a path they feel might be damaging or physically or spiritually. The important thing is to listen and to make sure you understand by simply restating what has been said. Now from this point after these discussions, I really can't give the significant direction you need as the path forward as that's going to require understanding, love, and the Spirit of the Lord. The final principle of all this is to maintain the same relationship with your child that the Savior would. And for the child, the answer is the same. Parents should maintain a loving home where the child is always welcome to discuss any concerns, and the child should show love to their parents and understand their concerns. Now I'm going to give a final note regarding agency. When children begin to show maturity and have understanding of gospel principles, it is the wise parents who can allow sufficient agency with love, forgiveness, and understanding, much as our Father in Heaven does. Now, by the way, this is a side note, I have a list of the most difficult principles to learn on this earth, and the agency of a child is third on my list. I've often pondered how difficult it was for the Father to allow one-third of his children to choose spiritual death before mortality fully understanding the cost. I think that most of all, this speaks to the principle of agency. Once a child is sufficiently mature and understands gospel principles, then agency really must be his or her teacher. We cannot learn the principle of the gospel any other way. I know that I have not been perfect here with my children, and my excuse is, is probably the same as everyone else, that it pains me more than them to see their errors. But really, there is no sufficient excuse for not allowing agency to teach. After all, did we not learn that way? And do we really think our children are going to learn any other way? I am not saying here that we should enable the addict, enable the addict, or allow immaturity to seriously injure a child. But what I am saying is that the only way you learn to use a hammer correctly is that you're going to hit your finger. Sorry, I actually grew up in construction. Finally, in the end, remember that the Lord loves your child far more than you do, and he knows far better what is best for them. If you go to him regularly and humbly, I have no doubt he will help you. I remember a time when I was having agency issues with one of my children. The path was the path the child was taking was not in his best interest spiritually. Let's just say that I wanted to sit the child down and explain exactly where it was leading. The child was sufficiently mature and knew the principles of the gospel. I was frustrated that he wasn't following them, and I believe probably a little pained by it. I didn't want to lose him to the winds of society, just like every other parent. I asked the Lord 
for what I could say to help force understanding. Oh, I didn't ask it like that, but that is exactly what I wanted. I wanted to force understanding. And I will never forget what the Lord told me. He said, I will take care of it. You just love him. I will admit I had a difficult time with this answer. But in the end, of course, the Lord did what he said he would. He took care of it. Now may the Lord continue to bless you in your quest to become like him, especially when dealing with issues that lead to depression and anxiety. And as always, remember, the Lord requires the fight, and then he can do his part. Until next time.